If you have your Bibles on a device or, uh, or in print, you can turn to Psalms 137 and Isaiah 40. Psalms 137 and Isaiah 40. Uh, this weekend, I want to talk about a fresh perspective. And uh, before I get into these two texts, I want to give you the historical background. Without understanding the historical background, it doesn't make as much sense. So let, let me give you this. If you go back, uh, the Babylonian empire has risen up and has become the dominant nation in the land. Uh, Babylon sits uh, in the, it, between the Tigris and the Euphrates River. Today it's modern-day Iraq. Uh, they have actually become the dominant nation. They've even defeated Egypt. And they continue down south and they go into Judea and to Jerusalem and, and they're beginning to take over Jerusalem. Zedekiah, the king of Judea, he, uh, he, he flees. He goes to Jericho, then goes over and gets in the Jordan River, and he, he escapes. Babylon takes and, captor, and captures Jerusalem. This is their first attack on Jerusalem. Watch the pattern. The Babylonians are going to do two things when they take Jerusalem. They're going to plunder Jerusalem, and they're going to take the vessels of the temple, and secondly, they're going to take all the young potential leaders of Israel. Well, why are they going to take the young leaders? Because the young, these, these young people are the sources of energy. And, and when they find out that they are the generation of the future, they're going to fight back and be resistant. And so they took them to cripple the potential leadership of the nation of Israel. You know examples of them like Daniel and then the guy we call the three Hebrews, three Hebrew boys. So that, that's what's going on. Babylon's origin goes back to Genesis 11. You'll remember this. They said, a group of people said, hey, let's travel east to the valley of Shinar and let us build a tower that we might not be scattered, but let us make a name for ourselves. And the name of the tower was Babel. And it was at Babel that man first decided he would build a community. And notice what God said about this community. God said, let us go down and see the tower that man would build. Now, this is not a place where God is at home. In Babel, God is a visitor. So he visits. This town and tower was the first community established in the earth that excluded God and exalted man. Actually, it's the beginning of what we call humanism. And it's a, a society that celebrates man, exalts man, and excludes God. And by the way, that's exactly what's happening in the nation that you and I live in today. Now, Babel is destroyed. God allows it to be destroyed by the confusion of languages. You know the story. But Babel will come back. Uh, Babel is back today, the spirit of Babel. So I'm going to talk in some historical facts, and then I'm going to talk in types and shadows, so you'll, you'll be able to follow along. So Babel's destroyed. But remember, when Babel attacks Israel, it does two things. It takes the precious vessels out of the temple, and here's what that does. That impairs worship, and it takes the young leaders. That impairs leadership. So Babel and the scripture is a type of the enemy that the church will face. Because ultimately in the earth, the enemy of the church is, is mystery Babylon. That's in Revelation 17, okay? It's a spirit. It's, it's not in the natural, but it's a spirit. We will face Babel again, not the physical, but the spirit. The church has always struggled with the spirit of Babylon. When the spirit of Babylon attacks, here's what it does. It always attempts to dispose leadership. 
today, there are more spiritual attacks on spiritual leaders than ever before. Here's why. Because the enemy of the church is trying to establish his kingdom on the earth. And the, when Babel attacks, it always impairs worship. When the spirit of Babel touches your life, the first thing it affects is your worship. Why? Because then it's hard to give thanks. It's hard to give praise. It's, it's hard to give all the glory to God. Now, Israel will see Babel come back two more times. In fact, 19 years later, they come back and they make a total sweep, and nothing is left. Everything's destroyed, even the temple. Uh, they level it. They take the women and the men and the sons and the daughters. They lead them north all the way to Babylon, and they resettle them there as slaves. Now, they live as slaves for 70 years, and then the Babylonians are overthrown by a guy named Cyrus the Persian. And now Cyrus is going to let a few Jews go home, then he lets all the Jews go home. But while they're in captivity, while they're slaves in Babylon, I want you to listen to their conversation. In Psalms 137 and verse 1, here's what they say. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yeah, we wept when we remembered Zion. Well, well, what is Zion? What does that mean? Zion is a special hill in Jerusalem where the temple of God was set up where the presence of God resides, and that's where they would go and celebrate and worship their God, and they're saying, we're missing that. Verse 2, we hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it, for there those who carried us away, that's the Babylonians, well, they've carried us away, they've asked us for a song. And, 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 and those who plundered us requested mercy, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. Now, a song of Zion is a song of worship. It's not some song for performance. It is a song of worship unto the Lord. Sing us one of your songs of worship. Verse 4, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. In other words, oh, we miss being there. We miss worship. We, we miss the presence of the Lord. Verse 7, remember, O Lord. Watch, they're going to switch it around now. They're going to start thinking differently. Remember, O Lord, against the sons of Edom, the day of Jerusalem, who said, raz it. That means strip it. Raz it, level it to the very foundation. O daughter of Babylon, who are, who are to be destroyed, happy the one who repays you as you have served us, happy the one who takes and dashes your little ones against the rock. Here's what you have. You have the Jews in Babylon, and now you start sensing this bitterness. And here's what they're saying to God. God, don't forget what these people did to us. They did us wrong. Don't forget, God. Bitterness and hate start coming up. That's what happens when you end up spiritually in Babylon and you're in slavery, the bitterness and the pain from your past experiences seems to grow in your heart. Now, there's no indication from God that God feels this way. He doesn't even feel this way about the sons and the daughters of Babylon, but this is a sense of hurt and pain in the hearts of Israel. And for 70 years, they're carrying this, and so they become bitter, and, they be, and then the pain is surfaced. Now, go to Isaiah 40. Because this is the same storyline. I'm just setting up the historical line for you. It's the same. Israel is in Babylon. Same storyline. But now a voice from the Lord speaks through a prophet to these people. They're becoming bitter. They're missing worship. They want to go back home. And, and they're in slavery. They, they've left home. And now the voice of the Lord speaks to them. Verse 1, comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended and that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now, Israel had gone to Babylon because they had disobeyed God. 
They refused to obey the laws of the Lord. They refused to listen to the voice of the prophets. They lived in sin and they worshiped false gods. And, and, and so in essence, this is what God has said to them. If you want to follow the ways of Babylon, if you want the gods of Babylon or the ways of the world, then here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let them come and take you home with them. Oh, I want you to be my sons and daughters, but, 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 but you, you can be their sons and daughters. And, and, and if you want to be mine, you're, you're, you're going to have to live differently. You're going to have to worship according to my precepts. And, and since you don't seem to want to do what I, I, I'm giving you, you know, you, since you don't seem to want to do what I, I, I'm, I'm going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you what you think you want. Have you ever had that? You get what you think you want. It doesn't usually work out, does it? You, he said to the, to the Israel, you, you think you want to walk like the other nations. You think you want to live like the other nations, and you want to worship their gods. So I'm going to release you to Babylon. So Israel's in Babylon, and in Isaiah 40, they're reviewing their painful past. They're reviewing it, and, they're, and, they're, and they've been experiencing the consequences of their sin for 70 years. Listen, I want you to understand something. It isn't the desire of God to see you or me suffer in any way. That, that's not the desire of God. But there are times when we behave certain ways, and God can't do anything with us. And here's what God says. Now, he said it to these people. I'm sure it doesn't fit any of you. God says, all right, if you want to do that, hardhead, if you want to be stubborn, it's going to hurt. It's the wrong thing to do. They're not the true God. But if you want to do that and, and you're hard-headed, then go on and do it. So that's what God did with Israel. He, he, he released them through their own stubborn ways. You, you know anybody stubborn? Don't point them out. Now, fast forward 70 years, they realize this isn't what we wanted. This is not the way we want to live life. This is not what we want. We want to go home. And then the word of the Lord came through the prophet. Now, now listen, the word of the Lord comes as a word of comfort. Because remember, they're living in their past, their regrets, their pain, their bitterness. So here's what Isaiah 40 and 3, here, here's that word. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Here, here's, here's what God's saying, hey, Okay, I'm going to prepare you a way home. I'm preparing you a way to go home. Your time is complete in Babylon, and you've learned your lesson. Now I'm going to close your painful past. I'm going to seal your painful past. Here was the word of comfort to them. The painful past is going to give way to a promising future. They're sitting in this place of slavery, and the word of comfort is, hey, your painful past is just about to give way to a promising future. But you, you have to understand that, that between Babylon and Jerusalem, there's this great big wilderness. In the natural, there's this big wilderness. And in this wilderness, there are mountains and valleys. And, and, and yes, I, I want out of my painful past. I want out of Babylon. I want out of slavery. I, I don't want to live in a compromised state anymore. I'm not happy the way I am. I want to go home. I want to live in a spiritual state. I want to live in a spiritual presence. I want to be where the presence of God is. See, they were missing the presence of God. The problem is that between where I am, my painful past, and to where God is, my promising future, there's this wilderness. And then God comes along and he promises, I'm going to make a way for you. I'm going to make a... See, sometimes we don't think we can change. 
Sometimes we think we're stuck in a situation. Sometimes we think our marriage is stuck. It can't change. We think our finances can't change. We think the circumstances can't change. But God has a comforting word, and he says, listen, I, I, I can take you from your painful past and, and into a promising future. I will make a way where there is no way. And listen, if, if, you, if, if there are hills you got to climb, I have the ability. I can actually lower the hills. I can make them lower. And the valleys, I can make them less steep. The crooked places, I can make straight. And where there are rivers, I'll just make it where you can cross them. I'm going to prepare a way for you to go home. Verse 5, I'm going to read it again. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. The glory of the Lord. In other words, here's what God says. I'm going to put my glory on you. And all these people around you, all the enemies and all the other nations, what they're going to see, they're going to see me do something incredible because you've been a slave for 70 years. You've been uprooted and everything you've, you have, you've lost. I'm, they're going to see something incredible on you. And when they see the radical change in your life, they're going to want what you have. They're going to be drawn to me. That is your promising future. Listen, that's the promising future that we have, that the glory of God is on us and people see the love of God on us and the power of God on us. And, and, and it's, it's a witness of our life. He says, I'm going to bring you home. When I get home, I'm going to have peace and, and I'm going to have joy and I'm going to have hope. So there is the promising word. And guess what? There is always someone there to pop your bubble. You know anybody negative? You know any complainers? You know anybody that's pessimistic? You know anybody that's optimistic? You, you, you see, I, you may have heard the story of the, the farmers, the two guys, who, their farms were side by side, and one was an optimist and one was a pessimist. The optimist could walk outside man, and say, this is a beautiful day, the sunshine is gorgeous. The pessimist say, yeah, there's so much sun, it, 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 it gets any hotter, it's going to ruin my crops. The optimist would say, the rain, thank you, Lord, for the rain. Oh, how we need the rain. The pessimist would say, it, it, it's, it's enough rain to ruin my 40 acres. The optimist would say, hey, things are going to be great. The pessimist would say, well, I'm not sure because things have never been great before anyway. So the optimist says, hey, I've got, I've got to break this in this guy. I've got to change this guy. So he got a plan. He bought a dog, and he, sent, he spent months training this dog. This dog was going to be the greatest duck retriever in the history of mankind. So the pessimist takes the optimist takes the pessimist in the boat, and they get out, and, and they're on the water, and, and sure enough, here goes the duck. And, and, and so the optimist takes his gun and shoots the duck, and he turns to the dog, and he says to the dog, go get him. And the dog jumps out of the boat. He doesn't swim. He walks on top of the water, <laughs> gets the duck, brings the duck back to the boat, and puts it in, and, 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 and the, the pessimist just sits there. And the optimist thinking, okay, he's got a, about that time, here comes another duck. He turns, he shoots that duck. He says to the dog, go get him. The dog gets out and walks on top of the water, brings the dog, brings the duck back to the boat, gets in. And the, the optimist can't stand it any longer. He turns to the pessimist and he says, what do you think about a dog like that? And the pessimist said, can't swim, can he? There is always someone around you in your family or in your church that says, don't get your hopes up. Oh, they preach those kind of sermons at the first of every year, the, you know, the, the, the vision and the hope. Don't, don't get your hopes up. I mean, the light at the end of the tunnel is a train, okay? It, 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 that's what you got to understand. <laughs> and yeah, Murphy's new law is you will jump out of the bed and you will miss the floor. So don't, don't get your hopes out, everything around. And negative people, here, here's, what here's what their program is. 
is to crash your faith. Oh, and there are negative people in the church right now. You're listening to me, and you're a negative Nancy. I hope you're not Nancy. <laughs> I did have a Nancy in the last service come up, but she forgave me. But, but, but you're negative, and, 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 and you know, you, you, you crash the faith of people. Well, guess what? In this story, there were negative people there. Listen to these people. Listen to them. In verse uh, 6, the first part of that, verse uh, A, the voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? L let me put it in perspective. Hey, what's all the excitement about? Hey, we're going home. 70 years of bondage, we're going home. Are you crazy, man? We're not going home. Hey, what are you so excited about? God's going to heal my marriage. Are you crazy? You, you, your marriage is never going to. Hey, I'm going to have a financial breakthrough. You've got to be kidding. You've never had a breakthrough of anything. You, you, I'm going to have a better life. Are you kidding? That's all uh, preacher hype and church stuff. You, you, you're not going to have it. Listen to what the negative said to the people who are believing to go home. Uh, the last part of six. All flesh is grass and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. And seven, the first part of that says, the grass withers, the flower fades. Now, Jerusalem is an interesting place because when the spring rains come on those mountains and those hills, all of a sudden, here, here, here comes the most beautiful flowers. They pop up. The green is everywhere. But in a matter of days and weeks, here comes the hot sun in the desert. And, and then it scorches the flowers and the hills turn brown for the summer. Here's what they're saying to these people who have faith. They're saying, oh, right now you're feeling a little rain. Oh, you see a little green. Oh, there's a couple flowers popping up. But the first little bit of heat, all your flowers will be scorched and all will be gone. And so you're going to stick your neck out and, and get everybody excited about going home and then everybody's going to be disappointed just like before. There's no use to get excited about going home. We're stuck in Babylon. It'll never change. Just settle in and accept it. You're never going to live in Jerusalem again. And, and then, then watch, negative people can try to be spiritual too. What, what? They did it right here. They're trying to be, pull the spiritual card. I, I love it when negative people try to be spiritual. Listen to what they say in, in verse 7. Because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. What, what does that mean? Here's what it means. They're saying, hey, listen, well, the real problem is God's not on our side. Remember, God's forsaken us. He's, he, he, he let these people take us. He's not on our side anymore. And, and, and notice the response that comes back from the person with faith are the optimists. Verse 7, the last part. Yeah, surely the people are grass, and the grass withered and the flower fades. But the word of our God stands forever. In other words, yes, yes sir, you, well, yeah, well, what, what you're saying is, is true. It can't be done in the flesh. We can't go home in the flesh. We, we can't get out. We don't have enough human resources. We don't have the ability. We don't have the food. We don't have the transportation. We don't even have the energy. But we're not living based on our energy. We're living our life based on what the Word of God has said. And the Word of God came and comforted us and said the time in Babylon is over, we can go home, and we're not depending on our strength. We're depending on the word of the living God. And here's what God did. Watch this. When you hear somebody negative, and you hear complaining and griping, and you hear the negative Nancys, here's what you need to look for, because in this story, he makes a sandwich out of it, because before they start the negative, and before they start the comparison, the verse 5 says, and the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And then here, here, here comes the attack, and here comes the negative, and, and, and then, the, then in verse 8, it says, the word of our God stands forever. In other words, the promise is there, but if you rely on your flesh and your humanity, you fall flat on your face. If you try to put your home back together on your own, in your own, your own flesh, 
it, it won't work. You try to get your finances straightened out, it won't work. If you try to justify not tithing because of this and that, it, it just won't work. I'm just telling you, if you anchor to the mouth of the Lord what he has spoken, the word will stand forever. And when the sun comes out, not if, but when the sun comes out, when the heat comes out, yes, there, there, there's going to be intensity with it, and there, but, but you're not going to wither and fade and diminish in strength because the word of God will carry you through this. But what do we do? We focus on our problems so we can analyze our way out. I'm going to show you the way out. This is the way out. This is what's driving them, but this is their way out. Verse 9, O Zion. You who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountains, O Jerusalem. You who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Now watch. Here's where you need to go, guys. Yeah, you need to go back to the mountain, Zion. You need to go back to that place of worship, and you need to take another look at God. You need to lift up your eyes and behold who he is. Our biggest problem, our biggest problem is we get our eyes off of God. We get our eyes off of God, and, and, and we get onto the problems, and then we fall into the, to the, to the symptoms of the problem. We, we have to stay focused by keeping our eyes on him and behold who he is. When we do, the strength and the faith begins to ride up. Here, here, here's the premise of this message. We need to get a fresh perspective of who he is. Well, how do we do that? Two ways, through the word of God and the worship of God. So here, here's two points in this message. I'm finished. Watch. Here's the first point. Through the word of God, we go beyond our barriers. We all know the Bible says in Romans 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The verse is, is stating faith comes from hearing, not, not just reading the Bible, but from hearing the word and Jesus is speaking through the scriptures to my heart when he speaks. When I find the word that speaks to my heart and my family and my situation, my circumstances, that produces faith. So rather than faith being something I initiate, it's ultimately, ultimately my response to God's word. He speaks to me. I respond with trust and by faith. And faith, that's pleasing God. Here, here's what happens when I get faith in what God said. It results in spiritual experience and divine encounter. Because his words, when you read the scripture, you want his words to speak to you. They're living, they're active. His words have creative power. When you receive them into your spirit, they can ignite seeds of increase on the inside. See, you were not created to live in Babylon. You were not created to live average. You're not created to just get by and be unfulfilling. No, God created you to leave a mark on a generation. And listen to me. I don't care how old you are. I don't, it doesn't matter. You have gifts and talents that you have not experienced yet. In other words, there are new levels of destiny in front of you that you haven't experienced yet. And those new levels shift into place when you get a fresh perspective of his words and you realize his word, his promise is for you. It's speaking to you. It's speaking to your situation. It's speaking to your life. And you begin to believe that he spoke it to you and you begin to confess what you're doing is you're making room for increase. And it says to God, you're expecting shifts from God's favor. You're expecting God to shift something. He's going to release his goodness, and then that will thrust you beyond the barriers of Babylon and into the extraordinary life he's designed for you on this earth. I'm not trying to make you feel good or hype you up. I'm declaring that with a fresh perspective of who God is, a shift will come. 
a shift will come in, in, in your relationships, in your marriage, in your health, in your finances, a, a, a fresh perspective. And it may not look like it in the natural. God help us if we look at the natural. God help us if we listen to the natural. God help us if we base it our faith off of what CNN or Fox or any of those other people say on the news. If we listen to what the government says, God help us. That cannot be our perspective. Because if we listen to that, we're stuck in Babylon. If we listen to that, we're slaves to what the spirit of Babylon is trying to do. Because the spirit of Babylon does not want us to have faith in what the word of God says. It wants us to rely on the natural. Well, our God is not a natural God. Our God is a supernatural God. And what he does is supernatural and it changes us from the inside out. Zechariah said, it's not by might nor by power, but by the spirit of the Lord. And the word spirit means breathe. So the shift that can come in you is not going to happen because of your talents and your connections and your abilities. The shift is going to happen because God breathes in your direction. When you honor God with your life and you put your life, you, you live your life with the excellence of the word of God, and you, you, he'll take you beyond your training, your education, your talents. He, he'll take you somewhere no one in your family has been before. But our new attitude after a fresh perspective should be, God, I'm ready. Amen. See, he knows how we get stuck in a habit. He knows how, how, how we become stuck in a form. He, he knows how we, we just get into this place and we fall into the rut and we get into a place. But listen, with a new attitude, I, I need to say I'm ready. In other words, I'm saying, God, I'm taking the limits off. I'm enlarging my vision. I may not see a way, but you have a way. And so I'm trusting your way. We make excuses. This is not for me. I, I don't believe like that. This is not my kind, of, my kind of church. I wasn't raised this way. I'm not qualified. I've made mistakes, and I don't have the talent or the personality, the confidence. God says, I, I, I know all that, but, but I'm about to bless you in such a way that everyone knows it's me and not you. Listen to the word for this year. The word, here's what the Lord is saying. It's time for my glory to be seen so don't talk yourself out of it. It's time for my glory. Where's his glory going to be seen? It's going to be seen on his people. I, I want all of the enemies of Israel and the ones who've held you captive and all those, I want them to see the glory of God. I'm going to supernaturally get you back home, reestablish you, build your temple. I'm going to put you back where you belong, and they're going to be in awe at the glory of God. They're going to see that it's my glory. So, so, so don't talk yourself out of it. Don't, don't be negative and talk yourself out of it. Mo Moses tried. God, I can't speak to Pharaoh. I, I don't speak well. Uh, Gideon said, I, I, I can't lead an army. I, I come from the poorest family. David could have said, hey, Lord, I'm, I'm just a youth. I'm not trained as a warrior to fight Goliath. Esther could have said, I can't go before the king. I'm an orphan and I'm a Jew. If he finds out, he's going to kill me. Whatever level you are now, God is about to put you in a position that you could never reach on your own, but you have to have a fresh perspective. And you have to start expecting favor and believing for God to do something new in your life. And almost all of you can say like me, well, you know, God's been good to me and blessed me and healthy family and job and all this, and that's good. But with a fresh perspective of who he is today, I believe God will show us things that we can't even think or imagine right now. What am I saying? I'm saying it's time to shift gears. Oh, we're moving forward. <laughs> but it's time, to, it's time to come out of second gear. I, I, I learned that some of you, Younger guys won't understand this, but I learned how to drive a vehicle in, in a pickup with a standard shift. Some of the younger guys have no idea what I'm talking about. 
And, and, and I remember learning how on those dirt roads, you know, I, I'd forget sometimes leave it in second. It would clock along 40, 50 miles an hour. Then all of a sudden, oh, i got to put it in third. Man, I hit third. It's like, we're going up to the next level. You, you, you understand that a fresh perspective sometimes needs to be, to, to get the fresh perspective, sometimes what it does, it kind of puts you in overdrive. A fresh perspective is the acceleration you need because what God has over here, you don't see it all yet, but what he has over here, you've got to accelerate a little bit to get there. And if we stay stuck in second gear, if we just stay doing what we always do and going through that, we're going to miss out. We need a fresh perspective, and we get that from the Word of God. And secondly, second point, we get it from the worship of God. Number two, through worship, we renew the vision of who God is. Because you see, listen, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but me, I, I need a fresh reminder of who God is. I need a fresh reminder of how great he is, how awesome he is, how powerful he is. I need a fresh perspective. Here's why. Because when I come back with a fresh perspective, I look at him, I see him, I'm in awe. Then I look at my problems. And suddenly my hills are climbable, my valleys are traversable, my, my, my rivers are passable, because they diminish in the terms of a fresh perspective of who he really is. When I focus on the problem, it gets larger. When I focus on him and I have a fresh perspective of him, those problems are all put in place. Why? Because I know who he is. I see his glory. And here's what God did with these people. He's going to show them two fresh perspectives that they needed because they have been in a bad place for a long time. Here's the first one, verse 10. The Lord God shall come with a strong hand. His arm shall rule him for him. And behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. Here, here's his perspective. Hey, guys, listen, listen. I'm a warrior God. Oh, I know you're a slave and you're stuck, but you're going home. I'm a warrior God, and, and I've come to fight your battles. And whatever you're warring against, God says, I will take that on. My battles are his battles if I've given myself to him. You see, we, we have to see he, he, he is a living, active God. He's not some made-up God, some man-made God, some idolatry that we've gotten into. He is the living God, and he is a warrior God. And when I make him priority, he makes me priority. And when he makes me priority, he's my warrior. And all of those battles, he fights for me because I've got him in the right perspective. I've lifted him up. I know who he is. I know he's all-powerful, and he's a warrior for me. Here's the second perspective he gave them. Verse 11, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He'll gather the lambs with his arms, carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those who are young. He's saying, hey, I'm a shepherd, God. Sheep, shepherd, you know sheep are dumb. You know, Jesus likened us to sheep. Don't, don't be offended. But he said, hey, I'm a shepherd guy. I'm the shepherd that will run my fingers through your wool. Your wool is a type and a shadow of your life and the flesh and the conflict that you go through life. He said, I'm the shepherd that will run my finger through your wool and pull out the cuckleberries. I, I'm the shepherd. I'm the one who's going to count and call you by name to come into my sheepfold. I'm the one when the wolf shows up, I'm immediately between you and the wolf. I'm the one that, that, that when you're not in the shepherd fold, I'm going to go after you and I'm going to bring you back. And by the way, if you can't walk, I'll carry you. I'm the shepherd that when you, that, I, I, I'm the shepherd when you're stranded on a ledge and you're about to crash and burn, and everything's coming down, the marriage, the finances, the job, when you're about to crash, I'm the one who will risk my life and lean over the ledge, and I will pick you up and pull you out of that situation. 
He is our warrior God. He's our shepherd God. But we got to climb a mountain. We got to look at God. We got to see him in his glory and in his, in his greatness. We got to behold the Lord. That's what the scripture said. Here's what behold means. Watch. I'm almost done. Behold means having the eyes of your heart enlightened. See, a fresh perspective doesn't happen because something happens with my eyeballs. I got new glasses. I got new contacts. No, 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 no. Be because the change is something that takes place in my heart. See, the eyes of your heart enlighten. It's, it's not this muscle that's pumping blood. It's your spiritual heart. Your spiritual heart is made up of when your spirit man and your soul man overlap. You are a spirit. You possess a soul. It's your mind, your willing. It's when they overlap. It's where they meet. He says, when that is enlightened, when, 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 that, when I can enlighten that, you have a fresh perspective. Watch. A fresh perspective enables me to see what was already real but unseen. <laughs> I'm telling you, your God's got a plan for you. You can't see it all. He's got a plan for your kids. He's got a plan for your job. He's got a plan of who you're going to marry. He's got a job. He's got a plan for where you're supposed to work and all. He's got plans every, all over the place for you, but they're unseen. And we struggle in not knowing what to do because we don't have a fresh perspective. Because when I get a fresh perspective of who he is and I realize he's my warrior God and he's my shepherd God, all of a sudden what I've done is I've stepped into a spiritual place called Jerusalem and now here's what I have residing in my spiritual heart because it's enlightened. I have joy, I have peace, I have hope and I can live in a place where I'm not in fear and I'm not in anxiety and I'm not holding on to every word that comes off of a TV or out of a newspaper or wherever, I'm holding on to what comes off the word of God because I have encountered the presence of God. And now when I need fresh revelation, when I need to see, how do I handle this situation with my marriage? How do I handle this situation with my teenager? How do I handle this situation with a negative report from the, from the hospital, from the doctor? How do I handle this? All of a sudden, because I have that fresh perspective, I'm able to see so I know exactly where I'm supposed to go and what I'm supposed to do. Now listen, I, I'm, I'm finished, and I, I got to stop because I could go on and on and on. You know that. But there's something powerful about getting a fresh perspective. Listen to me. Last year, and our church was phenomenal, and a lot that took place in the last year was in the natural, and that's great. But this year, God says the fresh perspective is what I want to do in the spiritual Listen, not, not just me, but you. You and me. A fresh perspective. Why? Watch, watch. And all of the chaos and confusion of our crazy world, God says, your promising future is that I'm going to put my glory on you. Because I want the nations, I want your neighbor, I want your coworker, I want your boss to see me on you. And I want them awestruck at the power of God. Not, not, not that you're perfect, not that you're some angel running around and you're, you're Mr. It. Not. No, 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 it's got nothing to do with that. 
See, the promising future is not about you. The promising future is about the glory of God. What's God saying? I'm, God's saying, listen, I want people to find me. How are they going to find me? They're going to find me when you get a fresh perspective and allow my glory to rest on you and you're in a spiritual place. You're going to have peace and joy and hope and, and, and you're going to truck right on. And what you don't know is the glory of God is all over you and people see it everywhere you go. That's the perspective as a church that we want to have in 2014 because it's not about us. It's about the glory of God. It's not about my past and my, and, and my pain. It's, it's not about that. He, he said, I, I've got a comforting word. I'm, I'm going to pull you out of that. I've got a promising future for you. I'm going to restore all that. Yeah, Pastor, you don't, you don't know the emotional problems I've had. You don't, you don't know the relational problems I've had. You don't know the financial problems I've had. You don't, you don't know the job. You know. Listen, listen, listen to me, negative Nancy. Are you going to believe all of that painful stuff in the past? Or are you going to believe what the word of the Lord says? It's that simple. So I'm telling you, you got to get in the word so that not just to read it for read it. You got to get in it so the word starts speaking to you. And you've got to worship him and keep a fresh perspective of who he is so that as the word speaks to you and you get revelation and you can see everything in your life changes and God gets all the glory and the people see the glory of God on your life. Would you stand? Father, thank you so much for loving us. You know our shortcomings. You know how we get stuck in a rut. You know how easily we're persuaded and how easily we can be distracted by a spirit of Babylon, how we can get caught up in average and how we can be directed to the right or to the left. You know, Lord, how we can become inward focused and think about our past and our failures and our mistakes and what ifs and all of those things. But through all of that, <laughs> your word to us is a word of comfort. Your word to us is that I have a promising future and I'll take you out of that and I'll put you in a spiritual place and in that spiritual place the fresh perspective that I give you will enlighten your spirit and you will know and you will understand more and more every day of who I am and as you behold who I am I will release the promises that I have for your life over you and your family. But trust me, believe in me, and watch me move. Now, church, I, I want to read this over you. I'm reading from the scriptures. I want to read this over you as the family of Bay. Mobile, all of you online. If you fully obey the Lord your God carefully, keep all his commands that I'm giving you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You'll experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord of your God. All oh, your, your towns will be, your, your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. The fruit baskets and the, the breadboards will be blessed. And wherever you go and whatever you do will be blessed. 
And the Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. And they, they will attack you from one direction, but they'll scatter in seven. And the Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouse with grain. And the Lord will bless you in the land he's giving you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as a holy people as he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you're a people claimed by the Lord and they'll stand in awe of you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give blessings, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time for his rich treasury in the heavens, and he will, he will bless all the work you do. He will, you, you will lend to many nations, but you'll never need to borrow from them. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today and you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you'll always be on the top and never on the bottom. You must not turn away from any of the commands I'm giving you today, nor follow any other gods, nor worship any other gods. What a powerful promise from our God. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap? Can we give him a thanks? Amen. God bless you.